Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The tricks and the shenanigans to get people to give money, I've seen over my 40 years of being a Christian, is terrible. I mean, the giving lines, y'all know what I'm talking about. Triple tie Sunday, y'all ever heard that? Triple tie Sunday, that's a mortgage payment. I can't afford that. Come on, wave at me, somebody act like y'all know what I'm talking about. I can't afford triple tie Sunday. What is that? I got to save up for 10 years to be able to meet that one. Amen. Buy a pew. We come up with all kinds of stuff. Buy, you ever buy, buy a pew. You ever buy a pew? Buy a pew. Buy a pew and put your name on the side of the pew. And then when you come to church, you get to sit in the pew that you bought. No, ma'am. No, sir. No. No, we don't, we don't, we don't save seats. We save souls. Amen. Say amen, y'all. Don't hunt your neighbor. Praise God. Buy a Bible. Everybody buy a Bible and write your name on the Bible. It's all kinds of stuff. The money monitor in the lobby. You know, when you come in the lobby and the money, we're raising money and they keep going up red, 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 the money monitor. There's all kinds of things. The coercion, the manipulation in the church. People walking up while the preacher is preaching and throwing money up on the stage. Y'all know that, y'all know I'm right about it. Throwing money at the preacher. I might have to take that one back. <laughs> that ain't a bad idea. Wait a minute. Hold on. Can I get that one? Put it, I can't put it back. It's already out. You know, I heard this story about this preacher. He announced from the pulpit, I got good news and bad news. The good news is we have enough money to retire the mortgage on the church. A sigh of relief went through the congregation. The preacher continued. The bad news is the money is still in your pocket. (laughs) I was going to tell you, no, I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. Paul Paul said on the first day of the week, on the first day of the week, I have a good one, but I can't tell y'all. I have a really good, it's a good one, but I can't tell y'all. Are y'all salivating already? Are you salivating? I'm not going to tell you. Paul says, should I do it? This is like one of my favorites, so I'm really just bringing you in. I'm baiting you. Okay, fine. So the black preacher, black preacher down south was preaching a great sermon to his incredibly vocal and interactive congregation. He said, brothers and sisters, ha. 
you got to crawl before you walk. The congregation responded, let us crawl, preacher, let us crawl. The preacher responded, brothers and sisters, before you walk, you got to jump. The congregation responded, let us walk, preacher, let us walk. The preacher responded, brothers and sisters, this church needs to fly, it needs to fly. The congregation responded, amen, brother, let it fly, let it fly. The preacher said, brothers and sisters, before it flies, I got to take some money. The congregation responded, let us walk, preacher, let us walk. (laughs) I've been telling that one for 25 years, I love it. Paul said, Paul said, Paul said on the first day of the week, look at 1 Corinthians 16, on the first day of the week, I want you to plan a financial gift. Paul says, get your gift ready before you come to church. Prepare your gift at home so you can just slide it in a box when you come in. No big deal because you don't want to bring attention to your giving. Say amen. Number four, true Christian giving is motivated. Second Corinthians, turn there. Second Corinthians. I have it for you on the screen if you're not a fast turner. Second Corinthians chapter eight. And I want you to look at verse eight and nine. Paul, the apostle says, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that through though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That through his poverty, what y'all? That you might become rich. So the motivation for giving is not guilt. Say a better amen than that. The motivation for giving is what? Love. If we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, it becomes impossible not to give to the neighbor who is in need. So love and giving go hand in hand. So show me a giving Christian and I'll show you a loving Christian. You can't have one without the other. First John three seventeen through 18 says, but whoever has this world's goods... And sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Look at verse 9 in 2 Corinthians 8. Paul the apostle uses Jesus as an example of giving. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So Jesus was rich. Jesus left the glory of heaven. He took on human flesh and became poor. Jesus was so poor, he was born in a borrowed stable. So poor, he preached. In a borrowed boat, so poor, he rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. So poor, he had his last meal in a borrowed room. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? 
Although Jesus was rich, he laid it all down for our sakes. He became poor that we might become rich. Giving, number one, is universal. Number two, it, is, it should be regular. It should be planned. It should be motivated by love. And number five, true giving is what? Second Corinthians 8. Now bounce back to verse 4. Imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So the Macedonian Christians wanted to help. They were actually pleading and begging Paul for the opportunity to give to the church in Jerusalem. And saints, I know you know this. God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our witnessing. God doesn't need our preaching. God doesn't need anything from from us. However, he gives us the opportunity and the privilege to be his agents of change in the world. Say amen. And point number six and finally, true Christian giving yields a return. So 2 Corinthians, go to chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 uh, y'all, y'all, y'all good? Y'all still with me? And look at verse 6 and 7. But I say this, but this I say. He who, y'all come on, read 6 and 7 with me. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity for come on for God loves a cheerful giver. So God, listen, saints, is not a respecter of persons. But God, watch this, is a respecter of principles, not a respecter of persons, but a respecter of principles. And one of the principles that God respects is the principle. Take your pen. Of sowing and reaping. The laws of sowing and reaping apply to Christians and non Christians alike. Every farmer understands three things. Got your pen? Write this down. Number one, every farmer understands three things we reap what we sow. Write that down. Every farmer understands that. Whatever you put in the ground, is what you will reap. We cannot sow crabgrass and reap pineapples. Y'all say amen. I know it's elementary, but it's true. Hmm? You cannot sow disobedience to God and expect to reap blessings. Remember this. Hoarded seeds yield no harvest. Hoarded seeds, that sounds like a meme, doesn't it? Hoarded seeds yield no harvest. If you go and buy seeds for tomato plants, if you leave those seeds in the package, y'all follow me, right? And you don't put them in the ground, you will not reap anything. They will do you no good. Hoarded seeds reap no harvest. Whatever seeds you sow, 
That's the same kind of harvest you will reap. And that is not only true horticulturally, saints. It's also true spiritually. If you sow peace, joy, love, forgiveness, friendliness, financially, you will reap peace, love, joy, forgiveness, friendliness, financially. You reap what you sow. If you sow gossip and strife and backbiting and bitterness and and, and unforgiveness, you will reap the same. The seed you sow will produce the same kind. Now, that is a whole sermon in of itself, preachers. You can have that one for free. All right. Farmers also understand. Number two, write this down. We will always reap more than you've sown. A single seed that sprouts can yield dozens, even hundreds of seeds. If you sow an apple seed, the apple seed doesn't just grow more apples. It grows more apples with more seeds. More apples with more seeds. Number three. You will always reap later than you've sown. Are y'all still with me today? Say amen. Harvest comes later. Harvest comes after planting. You don't sow a seed today and harvest tomorrow. Ecclesiastes 3.2. There's a time to sow, a time to pluck up that which is sown. There's a season to sow, a season to reap. And they are different And the seasons are not simultaneous. You don't sow one hour and reap the next hour, right? You sow in the spring and you don't reap until the fall. It takes time and you wait. And let me encourage you. And let me encourage myself. Let me encourage myself. You've been sowing for a long time. (laughs) You've been sowing in your marriage for a long time. You've been sowing in your children for a long time. Y'all say amen, parents. You've been sowing at work for a long time. Sow it in your business for a long time. Keep sowing. Harvest comes later. And just when you think about giving up, that's when the harvest is going to come. You got to wait on the harvest because it comes later, right? Right? There are many, many, many people. Let me tell you this. There are many people who take this concept of sowing and reaping and they twist it, watch this, for financial gain. Now, I do believe that when we give to God, God gives to us. But we have to be careful that we don't use it. You know, sometimes we use these kingdom principles as investment. You don't give to get. Now, I'm giving ahead of myself right here. You don't ever, 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 no, not ever give to get. We give for a whole lot of reasons, but we don't ever give to get. Amen. 
So they use these principles of sowing and reaping as and to contort and to twist them for financial gain. And sadly, a lot of false teaching on giving. I've heard preachers say that you must plant, watch this, an uncommon seed. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. He said, an uncommon seed so God can release an uncommon blessing. Well, I got stuck right there because I didn't even know what that means. I've been studying the Bible for, I don't know, 37 years. I never heard of this. These new and inventive ways in which to extract money from people, they never cease. They come up with new stuff all the time. So an uncommon seed for God to release an uncommon blessing. And they tell you that if you sow a seed into their ministry. Sure. God will have people chasing you down and tackling you to give you a check. I heard him say that. I said, Lord. And he called it the, he called it the blessing attack. I said, bro, you ain't got to chase me down. I walk slow, okay? You ain't got to chase me down for no blessing. I walk nice and slow, okay? Y'all say amen. Galatians 6, 7, not, 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God is, y'all come on, not mock for what a man sows. Come on, y'all. That he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will love the... Come on, read it. And let us not grow weary in well-doing. Amen. Harvest comes later. Never give to get. We give because it blesses the heart of God. Somebody say amen. We give because we want to see the kingdom of God advanced. We give because we care about the house of God. Say amen. We give because of obedience. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Go ahead and look at it again. So let each one of you give as he, did you see it? Purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul said, let each one give as God purposes in his heart. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and I cannot stay on it very long. But I want to be clear about something that we haven't talked about much over the last uh, three studies. The New Testament principle, and listen to me very carefully, please look at me, it's very important. The New Testament principle concerning money is not tithing. It's not tithing. And some of y'all are like, whew, praise the Lord. Okay, I heard it. I heard it in the spirit. The New Testament principle is more than tithing. Some of y'all, I thought I was off the hook. The New Testament principle is giving. Tithing is not taught in the New Testament. Giving is taught in the New Testament. And giving, actually, saints, it can be more than tithing. Now, let me just say this here. Let me just say this here. Plenty of preachers 
teachers, good Bible teachers, quite honestly, those that I respect, will really disagree with me on this. They really disagree with me. And plenty of people disagree with me. Matter of fact, you're probably sitting here now and maybe you'll disagree with me. I've had people disagree with me and actually get angry at me because I'm telling them that they don't have to tithe. You're not under the law to tithe. Can you imagine somebody getting angry at me because I'm telling you you're not under the law? I'm like, look, bro, bro, you on team too much. What is going on? I'm trying to free you and you're saying, no, I want to be in bondage. What is wrong? I'm telling you that the Bible says that you're not under the law, but that you are under grace. I don't understand that. And the same people, quite honestly, that tell you that they have this hard, fast New Testament tithing are not actually keeping the law of tithing themselves. Because under the law of tithing, I'm going to say this and move forward. Under the law of tithing, there were several tithes. You had Levitical tithe, the festival tithe, the poor tithe. You had the tithe tithe, quite honestly. There were many, many, many different tithes. Now, there's no place in the New Testament where the law of tithing is enforced. So you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. What about Jesus? And he's talking about the Pharisees and they tithe mint and cumin. Jesus said that in Matthew in the Gospels. Well, he did say that. But let's keep it up. Let's keep in mind. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. We are still under the law. We are not under grace until the Holy Spirit fell on the church and the birth of the church. And now we're under grace. Right. So let's keep that. We keep that in mind. OK. Jesus never spoke about tithing as it relates to Gentiles in the church. The New Testament teaches more than tithing. As I mentioned, tithing probably is a good place to start. I'll tell you that. But the New Testament teaches giving. And quite honestly, guys, everything that we have belongs to the Lord. Am I right about that? Right. So God, let me move forward in verse seven of chapter nine of Second Corinthians. God loves what? A cheerful giver. Now, there are only three kinds of givers. Let me tell you what they are. I'm a teacher. I'm going to tell you what they are. There are only three kinds of giver. There are tearful givers. There are fearful givers. And there are, you guessed it, because you're smart people, cheerful givers, right? The tearful givers are the people who give tearfully. <laughs> so I think, well, who are those people? They give because they, 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 they cry when they're giving. They cry when they're giving, right? And then you got the fearful givers. Those are the people that think, I better give. I better give. Because if I don't give, God's going to do something bad to me. Well, keep in mind, we serve the, we serve a, the good father, not the godfather. <laughs> Write that down. Amen. And a cheerful giver. God loves what? A cheerful giver. Hilarious. Hilarious. Happy heart giver. Everyone loves a cheerful giver, don't we? What if someone gave you a gift and said, here, I bought this for you. I wanted to buy me something, but I had to get this for you or or somebody was going to take my kid hostage, so I bought it. So your attitude toward giving should be cheerful, hilarious. Lord, I wish I could give more. And then 
And then, and then look at verse 8. I'm, I'm done here. Look at uh, chapter 9, 2 Corinthians. Look at verse 8. And God, here it is, guys. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, might have abundance for every good work. God is able. This is the key to faithful giving. You understand that God is able. When you believe that God is able to reward your giving, then you will give cheerfully and you will give faithfully. Amen? Then you will give in your heart and your giving and your bank account will come into alignment. And might I just say this? You can't outgive God. Amen. Whatever we give, God always gives more. If you give him your life, he will give you life abundantly. If you give him your time, he will restore the years that the locusts have stolen. If you give him your ministry, he will give you anointing. If you give him your finances, he will add and he will never owe you anything. You will never listen. Listen, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm done. He, you will never hear God say, I owe you anything. God doesn't owe you anything. First of all, all things belong to him. That's number one. And then number two, he is a good God. Again, a good father. And he will always, he will always give to you whenever you give to him. God will always give back to you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a song.